A 37-year-old man has been experiencing excruciating pelvic pain with having a bowel movement. He has seen a few doctors so far and has had multiple different tests and procedures to help reach a diagnosis, most of which have worsened his pain. He has tried medications, but no medications have helped relieve his pain. I'm afraid to eat, he says, because I know that I'm going to have horrible pain when I go to the bathroom. I've even lost weight when I wasn't trying to because of this. And then I try to minimize how much I go to the bathroom, like just not go unless I absolutely have to. But then, of course, when I do go, it's even worse. So I don't know what to do. I've been told that my muscles are in spasm, but muscle relaxants haven't helped so far. What can I do? Welcome to The Hurt by Dr. Mira Kirpaker and Dr. Alopi Patel. We are the female pain docs. This is a platform to contribute to the public discourse on women's pain and general health. We are here to empower women and men to engage in the advancement of their health with discussions of evidence-based medicine, unconventional topics, lifestyle modifications, and more. The views contained in this podcast are our personal views and do not represent the views of our institutions. This does not substitute medical advice. Please be evaluated by a physician if necessary. Welcome back to another episode of the Hurt Podcast, Season 5. So today's episode is going to focus on another key treatment of pelvic pain, specifically pelvic floor physical therapy. So today, we're specifically going to talk about pelvic floor physical therapy in male patients, as in Season 4, we discussed primarily pelvic floor physical therapy for female patients. So to clarify, we are discussing pelvic floor therapy in any persons with biologically male anatomy. Pelvic floor physical therapy, unlike physical therapy for any other part of the body, can often be seen as confusing, scary, and invasive. So we want to get into an in-depth conversation about what pelvic floor physical therapy entails, what conditions it can help treat, and maybe even bust a few myths. So joining me today will be Dr. Jesse Klein, pelvic floor physical therapist. Dr. Klein has a doctorate in physical therapy from New York University. She is also a certified strength and conditioning specialist. She has extensive experience in practicing pelvic floor physical therapy, including previously establishing the pelvic health program for a large physical therapy practice and acting as the program director, mentoring dozens of other pelvic floor physical therapists. She has continued to stay current with continuing education courses on topics including pelvic pain, exercise, and pregnancy, postpartum rehabilitation, bowel, and sexual dysfunction. She also acts as a lecturer on pelvic floor physical therapy at both New York University and Columbia University, and serves as teaching assistant for multiple pelvic floor continuing education programs through Herman and Wallace Pelvic Rehabilitation Institute. She does treat both men and women with pelvic pain conditions and is passionate for her work in women's health as well. Her mission is to provide a restorative environment to encourage and empower her clients to connect with and heal their bodies and she can be reached via her website, www.jessiekleinpelvichealth.com. Welcome, Jesse. Hi, thanks for having me. Absolutely. So we'll just get right into it. Um, so, you know, obviously today we're going to be talking more about male pelvic floor PT. And by what I mean by male pelvic floor physical therapy, I, of course, mean someone biologically male. So we'll kind of separate that out to start with that way, just to make it kind of simpler for the sake of discussion. Now, 
you know, of course, I'm sure even our listeners, everyone's kind of much more familiar with pelvic floor physical therapy when it comes to female anatomy. Um, and, you know, I think there might be a little bit of a stigma associated with male pelvic floor physical therapy um, in that, you know, they just might not be as comfortable. It might be something that's just like less well-known. Do you, do you find that to be true? Do you find um, there to be more like myths you have to overcome, more stigma you have to overcome when you're treating a male patient? Yeah, you know, I think you bring up a good point that the pelvic floor and pelvic health have generally been targeted to women or people with vulvas. Um, and so when we have someone who's a male coming in for therapy, they may not be familiar with what pelvic floor therapy is and how you know, it might affect them because they've seen it as such a female, you know, directed thing. But I think, you know, when someone's coming in for pelvic floor therapy, regardless of their gender, but definitely males, so when they have a problem, they really want it to get fixed. They want to address it. And so I think as long as you as the provider are approaching the patient, um, you know, with the needs that they have and the complaints that they have, and you are just directly treating that, I don't think there's too many myths you really have to bust because it's like, you know, they're coming in to see you for treatment and they know what they need to get help with. So, you know, I think maybe the idea of it is like, no, it's for everybody. But once someone's actually in your office getting something taken care of, they are ready to be there. Absolutely. And, you know, and for, and for the sake of our listeners, uh, before we dive much further into specific sort of conditions, uh, can you just describe, you know, generally in this context, what is pelvic floor physical therapy? Sure. So pelvic floor physical therapy is a type of physical therapy where we work on the pelvic floor muscles. The pelvic floor muscles are the muscles that sit at the bottom of the pelvis. They have four major functions, bowel, bladder, sexual function, and they also act as a sling or support for the organs that sit inside. Um, in addition to that, they also work as a synergist to the abdominal muscles, the glute muscles, the hip stabilizer. So they kind of have like this pretty general role in pelvic health, of course. And it doesn't matter what gender you are. Everyone has a pelvic floor and has these functions that they need the pelvic floor to do for them. So um, in physical therapy, if you're having dysfunction in any of those um things, bowel, bladder, sexual dysfunction, we will work on restoring your function normally. And we do this through working on the pelvic floor muscles in many different ways. I think that's a great way to look at it because, you know, I think often things are sort of separated out into, well, this is for male, this is for female, but we often don't look at all the commonalities between them. And you're absolutely right that both have pelvic floor muscles. And so both can have weakness or too much tightness of those muscles that can be contributing to a lot of problems. Yeah. And, you know, for the anatomy nerds out there, the anatomy of the musculature itself is almost identical. We have the exact same muscles. We have different external genitalia, but, you know, which can affect the orientation of a couple of the muscles. But overall, the anatomy is like pretty much the same. So when you see a patient, you know, how do you assess a patient to see if they might be, or, or like if pelvic floor physical therapy might be helpful for them. Right. Um, so we talked about the pelvic floor muscle function. So bowel function, bladder function, sexual function, and then kind of the support 
function and synergy with the other abdominal hip stabilizers and glutes. So I first start with, you know, is this person having dysfunction in any of those areas? Um, you know, things that we see often are constipation or urinary urgency and frequency, um, incontinence, pelvic pain. So all of these things kind of go with these functions. So if you're someone who's having an issue with your bowel function, bladder function, or sexual function, pelvic floor therapy might be worthwhile to explore for you. Um, as a provider, you know, we kind of dive deep into all of these functions and ask about certain kinds of symptoms within each thing. So for example, if someone's having urinary urgency and frequency, we may ask about, well, do you have difficulty starting your stream? Do you have difficulty emptying your stream? And so we kind of get into a lot of the details of what their chief complaint is. And from there, we'll decide if we want to do an assessment or if PT is going to be right for them. That's great. I mean, I think that's what's important there is that even though uh, there can be commonalities and there can be differences, it's like each person is different and it is a very individual sort of um, condition. And so I usually, even when I send patients to pelvic floor physical therapy um, and patients ask me like, well, what exactly would they be doing? And I was like, well, the first thing is just an assessment. <laughs> it's right. just to see whether this will be beneficial for you. And then if so, how? Yeah, I think too. And as a provider, you probably know this, if you're a good provider and you have good listening skills, which you should, you should kind of know right off the bat from what the patient is saying and the questions that you're asking if this treatment is going to be right for them or what might be going on with the actual integrity of the musculature and their strength. Like you kind of know what your objective of exam is going to look like based on what they've told you. Um, so a huge portion of our first first visit is just listening to the symptoms and gathering that information. You know, and I think that is a really important key because especially with pelvic floor physical therapy compared to like other types of physical therapy, it is a more invasive, it is more um, personal than a lot of the other. It's not the same thing as going to get physical therapy for your back. Right. And so getting pelvic floor physical therapy, it's like there is a huge component where the patient has to be comfortable. They have to understand um, what this might entail and be sort of okay with that and be on board with um, the process. Otherwise, they're not going to get much out of it. And they're just going to kind of feel like uh, it was, you know, too invasive, too violating. Yeah, totally. I think, you know, people come with a lot of different stories and a lot of personal experiences and those personal experiences can affect what's going on in their pelvic floor. The most important thing is that the patient's feeling safe. They, there's good rapport and trust between the patient and the provider. And also there's informed consent. And informed consent requires you to be informed. <laughs> so the <laughs> provider should also be explaining what the exam right. is, how it's going to go. And your consent is, you know, given at each step of um, the way, you know, so it's, it's right. really important that you are establishing that from the first visit. Absolutely. So let's dive into some of the um, different types of pelvic floor conditions in male patients. What do you kind of see most commonly? Yeah, so we touched upon this just a little bit briefly. But um, if we're going like by systems, right, so if we talk about bladder function first, um, Often we see a lot of uh, overactive bladder, um, uh, urinary urgency and frequency, incontinence, so leakage of urine, 
Um, and then sometimes some other things like waking up in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom, but usually that's accompanied with uh, some of the other things that I just talked about, like urgency and frequency. For bowel dysfunction, we see constipation or uh, fecal incontinence. Those are probably the two main ones. And then sexual function, we'll see either erectile dysfunction, pelvic pain with ejaculation or erection or arousal, um, difficulty with ejaculating or achieving climax or premature ejaculation. So I would say those are probably the most common. And then overarching, a lot of those would be just generalized pelvic pain. So if we were to kind of talk about each one of those with, you know, something like erectile dysfunction, how might pelvic floor physical therapy be helpful for erectile dysfunction or even, you know, pain with like, let's say pain with orgasm, squirtle pain, things of that nature. Yeah. So like we just talked about, the provider is going to ask a lot of questions first. And even if you're not having symptoms in one of the areas or you didn't tell us that you were having symptoms in one of the areas, we're likely going to screen that too. It's going to give us information of how your pelvic floor muscles are working as a whole. Um, so we'll first start with all of that, you know, the questions and seeing what symptoms you have and screening other pelvic floor functions. After that, we'll typically do a physical exam. So what the physical exam will consist of is usually an external exam and an internal exam. Um, as long as the patient's okay with it. So the external exam is typically taking a look at the skin and tissue, making sure that everything looks healthy, and then assessing the muscle function just from a visual perspective. So looking at a contraction, a relaxation, a bearing down, and we're able to assess this at the perineal tissue. So that's the tissue between the scrotum and the anus, and the pelvic floor muscles really attached there so we can see how it functions. Um, we'll also do some external palpation or touching as long as that's okay with uh, the patient. And those are at the external pelvic floor muscles at certain landmarks. This helps us get an idea of what the muscles feel like, how they, um, you know, if they're tender, if it's reproducing any of their symptoms, so that gives us a little bit more information. After that, we usually do an internal part of the assessment as long as the patient's okay with it. So it's usually a one-finger rectal assessment where we're actually looking at the integrity of the pelvic floor musculature. So we are feeling the muscles and asking the patient, you know, is this pain, pressure, totally fine, reproducing your symptoms, and we're gathering information from that first kind of tactile or touching uh, test. So we test all of the muscles, and then we also look at the uh, muscular coordination. So we'll look at the strength of the muscles, how well they're able to contract and relax and bear down. We'll get more information from that. Now, once we get all of that information, we can come up with a treatment plan. So if the muscles are too tense or too tight, we work on down training or relaxing the pelvic floor muscles. And if they're not strong enough or really weak, um, we work on strengthening the muscles. And sometimes it's a combination of both. So depending on how the patient presents can really affect their symptoms. So someone, let's say, with erectile dysfunction that you mentioned, they may have erectile dysfunction because their muscles are too tense and they can't get good muscle contraction. So we may need to work on down training or relaxing and then strengthening the muscles. Another patient, on the other hand, may have erectile dysfunction because their muscles are too weak and not tense enough. So we need to work on just strengthening the muscles. So it really depends on what we get from that first assessment. And then we kind of go from there. Thank you. That was 
an amazing, really comprehensive answer. It answered a long uh, explanation. No, it was great. And got there. It actually answered a lot, lot that um, I, you know, would have wanted to ask for follow up questions regarding that. I was like, that was a super comprehensive, amazing, like amazing answer. Um, you know, and and you kind of explained a lot of it already. But are there are there is anything different or um, anything additional that you do with, in terms of assessment for patients with something like you know diseases of the prostate or um, inflammatory bowel disease, which obviously you know is still in the pelvic region, but a little bit different in terms of the anatomy. Yeah, for sure. Well, the prostate. I mean, we don't really do like prostate assessments, or at least I don't and have been trained on doing it. But from what I understand, physical therapists are mostly looking at the musculature. Um, we certainly observe the prostate and if it's enlarged or inflamed, we can feel that during our exam. And that may change the, you know, link tension relationship or the, uh, the way that the pelvic floor muscles function. Also, if the prostate is enlarged, it can restrict the flow of urine and that can have issues or create issues with, um, voiding. So, you know, we don't necessarily like truly assess the prostate, but we're taking it into consideration when there are other things going on with the pelvic floor and with urinary dysfunction. Um, with inflammatory bowel disease, sometimes we'll take a look at the abdomen, most times we will, to see what's going on and how does the tissue of the abdomen move. Um, there should be a good myofascial mobility in the abdomen. And sometimes if people have issues with constipation or other bowel dysfunction, um, it doesn't move very well. So sometimes we'll do some visceral mobilization to the path along the path of the colon, and that can be really helpful as well. So, you know, do you think that age plays a factor in pelvic conditions in men, like younger patients versus older patients? Does that make any difference as far as the musculature and what you're assessing and treating? Sometimes, but I'll never use it as like a guiding judgment of what I think I'm going to find. So typically, I would say younger has that more hypertonicity or tightness in the pelvic floor muscles. And usually older has that more hypotonicity or less tone weakness. Um, so general rule of thumb, I guess, but I would never be like, oh, this person is old, so they must need to strengthen. I'm always going to do an assessment and just double check that, you know, what we think is going on is what's going on. Um, so I guess the answer is sometimes. And that makes sense. I mean, and we do often see sort of more of the incontinence type of um, conditions occur more with older patients, which usually is because of a weaker pelvic floor, but not not always. Um, not it could always. also be reflexively tight because of other reasons. Right, exactly. So now that we kind of talked about the assessment portion of things quite a bit as far as, you know, all these different conditions, there's obviously a lot that goes into the actual assessment. And then once you have a plan, what is the plan? Like what types of therapies do you employ? I mean, I've heard of a lot of different ones. If you could explain some of those um, for the audience, things like trigger point release or biofeedback, therapeutic ultrasound, like sort of what are these different therapies? Yeah, sure. So um, depending on what we find during the exam, there are many different kinds of treatment approaches that we have and treatment modalities. So I would say that one of the most common things that we use is manual therapy. Okay, what is manual therapy? Manual therapy is an umbrella term for lots of different things like soft tissue release, myofascial release, 
trigger point release. And depending on what we find during our exam, this might be something we want to do to work on that down training or relaxing of the pelvic floor muscles. Um, if we find that the internal pelvic floor is really tense or tight, we may use these techniques to kind of almost like if you were to have a knot in your neck, you know, we work on massage or soft tissue release or trigger point release to get the muscles to relax or let go. So we do a similar thing with the pelvic floor muscles. And a lot of this includes feedback with the patient. So for example, if I'm on a spot that's really tense or tight, you know, I can feel that and I'm doing maybe a trigger point release or a myofascial release. And I'll say to the patient, okay, I want you to soften in this area, breathe to this area, let go, you know, whatever cues might work for them. And so not only are we just, you know, passively massaging this area, they're also involved in working on actively relaxing their pelvic floor. Um, similar to that, something that you mentioned is a tool called biofeedback. And biofeedback is very similar to what I was just talking about, except you use a machine and there are internal or external sensors, depending on what machine that you have. And it gives you some feedback when you're activating your pelvic floor and when you're relaxing your pelvic floor. So depending on the settings that you use, it will help you kind of get to a goal, let's say to strengthen your pelvic floor, you have to squeeze, squeeze, squeeze to get to a certain point and then relax and you go under. Um, vice versa, it can also help you with releasing the tension in your pelvic floor. So it's kind of that retraining of the brain and the pelvic floor and using a device to help train that. Um, another thing that most pelvic floor therapists will use is therapeutic exercise. So certain exercises the patient can do to help either release or relax the pelvic floor or strengthen the pelvic floor. Um, and I personally really like using exercises because I think it helps the patient become autonomous in, you know, healing themselves. I'm not doing all of the work and hopefully you graduate from physical therapy and you're able to do all this stuff on your own. So, um, you know, I do lots of exercises with my patients. I think it's really important as, you know, a message to say, hey, you can do all of this stuff on your own and you're going to be okay. So, um, we do lots of stretches, breathing exercises, or strengthening exercises using the pelvic floor, the adductors of the inner thighs, the lower abdominals, and the glutes and hip stabilizers. That's great. And, I, you know, what you just said, the last thing you said where you talked about hopefully you graduate from physical therapy, you know, that's something that I think is really important to talk about because, um patients would want that sense of autonomy of like, I don't have to depend on something forever that I can take control of this situation myself. And I've had a lot of patients ask me, well, how many, how much physical therapy am I going to need? Like how many times do I have to go? Um, how long do I have to do this for? And now obviously this is going to vary by patient and by condition, but, you know, generally speaking, how many sessions of pelvic floor physical therapy for some of these co more common conditions. Um, and I do understand this is very individualized by how severe the, uh, how quickly the picking things up, like obviously that's gonna make a big difference, but generally speaking, you know, how many sessions and like how, lo how long do you um, do a session for? Like uh, what is the length of the session? Yeah, so again, uh, to just, you know, reiterate your disclaimer, this can 
vary totally based on the individual. Um, usually sessions are somewhere between, you know, 40 minutes and 60 minutes. And it should probably include some kind of manual therapy, like we talked about, and some kind of exercise. So a session will consist of multiple things, one of which is the provider is helping you to achieve, you know, either working on your strength or that down training or relaxing. And then you're doing some of that on your own with exercises, although the provider is probably with you, but like you're doing it, they're not doing it for you. Um, in terms of, you know, plan of care and duration, again, this is what I would say is most highly variable, but somewhere in the like three to six months range is probably appropriate. Um, I think like a more of a, not red flag, but like something where you're questioning what's going on is if you're going to see your same therapist for like years uh, at a consistent basis, like maybe you do need a change or you need something else different to your plan. Most of these things are pretty resolvable unless you have like an extremely complex case or have had chronic pain your entire life. You know, like there are things that there are exceptions to the rule for sure. Um, but in these things that have a very specific onset, have been happening for a little while, you should be able to resolve this um, and not go to physical therapy forever um, within that like three to six months-ish. And then do patients typically need to repeat that at any point? Um, you know, not obviously on that continuous basis for years on end, but like a year later, a couple of years later, six months later, do they need to repeat anything? Or is that really just sort of like a, if the pain comes back, or if you have, you know, a new issue that develops, then come back? Or is it like, we should keep up with this? Great question. So what I always tell my patients, I think another thing that contributes to a longer duration plan of care is people are very afraid to leave. I think because pelvic health is such a personal and intimate uh, injury, I guess you could say, they're a little, there's a little more reluctance to letting go. That's, that's just what I've seen. I think they're worried that they may not be able to resolve or keep the symptoms at bay on their own. Um, what I tell my patients when I think they're ready to graduate from PT is, you know, your symptoms may flare up. Pelvic pain is one of those things. And, and some of these other associated dysfunctions, you know, bladder, bowel are things that are, can flare up. You know, if you have inflammatory bowel disease and you get food poisoning, like your stomach might be messed up for a little while. And subsequently your pelvic floor might be irritated. That happens in life. Um, sometimes you're very stressed and your pelvic floor feels tight and tense and in pain. That happens in life. If you're noticing that you have your symptoms or they're coming back, you're having a flare up, give yourself a couple of weeks to use the techniques that you've uh, learned in physical therapy and see if the symptoms go away or are, are kind of on their way to going away. If not, you can always come back. But I try to encourage them to take care of it on their own because they've learned all of these tools in PT. They should be independent in, you know, restoring their normal function. And if it's a bad flare-up, they may need to come back and come for a little bit of PT. But um, they should be able to resolve it on their own, too. So that's kind of my rule of thumb. Completely, completely agree. I actually end up having the same conversation, like almost exact same conversation with patients regarding anything I do, like as far as, you know, if I do like an injection, um, the automatic sort of question is like, well, I feel much better now. Um, so do I need to repeat this again in a few months? Like, sh should I make an appointment now? And I'm like, no, no, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> like, 
I'm like, if it comes back, we can do that. But I have the same conversation of like, there's a lot of things that can happen where the it can flare up again. You know, exactly. You're you're stressed. Uh, you did like a suddenly a vigorous exercise one day. You went biking 12, 12 miles one day. Um, the weather changed, like, right. and then it suddenly became a lot colder. You know, there's a lot of things that can happen where it can trigger a flare up in someone who has suffered from chronic pain for a long time. Um, but that doesn't mean that that's going to stick around. So you know, just give it, I usually say exactly the same thing, couple of weeks. I'm like, give it a couple of weeks, see if uh, things start to get better, see if you notice if there's something that's triggering it and if that can be worked on. And if it's not, and it's sort of sticking around, then come back and we'll see if you need to repeat an injection or if I need to send you to physical therapy, like formal physical therapy again, um, but we can assess, but you don't necessarily have to, um, you know, follow up within a certain time frame if you're feeling better. But I agree because I think that especially with pelvic pain, there's such a, um, it, it's like something that you've lived with for usually, oftentimes for so long um, that there is definitely a mental component. There's a lot of fear associated with like, this is going to come back and it's going to be worse. And, you know, it, it can prevent you from like moving on with your life and becoming independent. Yeah, I totally agree. I think the fear aspect too is when you have chronic pain and especially in your pelvis, and this is like affecting super essential functions of your life, you know, you, if it comes to any hint of it coming back, you're like, oh my God, what's happening? And there is this like fear associated with it. But I think, you know, as providers, it's our responsibility to encourage patients and help them be as autonomous as possible in dealing with their pain and, you know, kind of quell some of those fears. Absolutely. Now, you know, in terms of the different therapies, the physical therapy, are there any downsides to pelvic floor physical therapy? Are there any patients um, or, or types of conditions where you, you know, don't recommend it or, you know, you think that it might worsen the problem? Hmm. That's an interesting question. Usually if they've come to my office, they probably need pelvic floor therapy. Um, you know, sometimes with issues that are in other organ systems. So you mentioned prostate or, um, you know, GI issues, they may need another person on their care team. And you know, it might not be an outlet issue or a pelvic floor issue. It may be driven by, you know, another function like their GI motility or the large prostate or something like that. So I don't think that pelvic floor therapy would make it worse. I think actually it would help even regard, regardless of whether there's dysfunction within their pelvic floor um, directly. So let's say they're having a GI issue and their pelvic floor is okay. Um, even just having better awareness to that part of their body so that they can feel confident in the way they're operating. Um, and as these other symptoms are checked out by other providers, they're like, okay, I know my pelvic floor is good. We've worked on X, Y, Z things. And it's kind of just helping bring the puzzle together. But I don't think that it would ever be harmful. It's so conservative that like, okay, worst case scenario, you've come for a few visits and like your symptoms didn't get better. But you've also gained a little more body awareness and neuromuscular control and connection to this part of your body. Um, so I don't think it would actually like worsen anything. You know, I like that because um, I think that's also kind of what I tell patients is that at the very least, it's an assessment. 
So you can go and be assessed and learn a little bit more about your own body and about your own anatomy. Totally. And you know, and I do, and I do let patients know that sometimes when they're, especially when they're really afraid of pelvic floor physical therapy or or physical therapy in general, uh, because they're afraid it might make the problem worse. Cause you hear that something, well, it might make it worse. Uh, Well, true. Anything technically could, but it usually doesn't like it's usually we're doing it to help not to worsen the problem. And sometimes like I'll let patients know like, well, okay. Um, you know, we can do this injection, uh, see if that'll reduce your pain. And then you can go to physical therapy when your pain is a little bit better. So where you can get more out of it and you're not limited by just being in so much pain. So we can do sort of a combination of those things and get you better instead of, um, you know, you just feeling like you're forced to just go directly to physical therapy and then participate in something that might make the problem worse, which it doesn't. But I think it's more, it it also helps sort of soothe the patient to know that there's um, other options too. And a combination might be uh, better than just one. Of course. Yeah. And I think for those who are like really fearful of pelvic floor therapy and those male patients, like I get it. You know, sometimes we are not used to having things going up in that area so like I totally understand where the fear comes from and like we mentioned before we're not doing anything that the patient's not comfortable with and not consenting to so we will go at the pace that the patient feels comfortable with and if doing internal is never in the cards then it's never in the cards and that's fine we do you know one thing I didn't mention is we can do hip assessment lumbar, low back assessment. And sometimes even working on those things and not directly on the pelvic floor can have an impact as well. So, you know, I think I I totally understand the fear and where that comes from and maybe, you know, limits what we're able to do in terms of assessment and treatment. That's totally fine. Absolutely. Well, I think it's been a fantastic discussion. That's basically, you know, everything that I wanted to ask you today. Um, any last sort of bit of advice for our male patients with pelvic pain before we leave off? Oh, sure. Well, I think we kind of covered it for the most part, but, you know, just know that if you are having a a problem, these things are actually super common. So as pelvic floor therapists, we see male patients all the time. So it's nothing to be embarrassed about. And usually it's a pretty like quick fix in terms of going to PT, learning a few things and getting whatever symptoms that you have resolved. So um, I know it can be intimidating and a little scary, but um, overall, I think it tends to be a really positive experience for our patients and just helps you get better. Absolutely. I mean, I think that's the the key here is that that's why we sort of do this podcast and have these episodes is so that patients patients know they're not alone yeah. that there's a lot of others that's kind of suffer from similar things and that there are options you know out there and pelvic floor physical therapy I think is an amazing one yeah well thank you <laughs> well thank you so much for joining us and to our listeners we'll see you next time We would love to hear your thoughts. Visit our Instagram at the female pain docs for more content. Send us an email at the docs at gmail if you have any topics in particular you would like us to discuss. You can also visit our website at www.thefemalepaindocs.com. See you next time.